Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer, entrepreneur, and innovator, Chris Mazarisi. Chris is the founder and owner of the innovative drum company, Big Fat Snare Drum. Big Fat Snare Drum has become a standard must-have piece of gear that is used by the majority of drummers around the world. When he isn't running his business or inventing new products to add to the Big Fat Snare Drum legacy, Chris tours with his brother in the band Winnetka Bowling League. Chris leans into his years of experience in the music industry as an intuitive guide in the running and growth of Big Fat Snare Drum. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I do here at the podcast, you can become a Patreon member. Find us at patreon.com slash working drummer. Any donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content that's provided by our former guests. This content covers a variety of topics, but it's all educational and applicable to the working professional. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal, and you can find links to both of these things on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. And while you're there, you can find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've done over the years. And no matter what your platform of choice is for listening to podcasts, giving us a like, a rating, and review always helps us grow. Before we get started, uh, I feel like this is a good time to just reiterate how honored that Zach and I are to be asked to be a part of this Drum Click Network that uh, Chris had a big hand in getting started. So Mike Dawson, Drum Candy, Bart Vanderzee, uh, Drumming History, Sarah Hagen backstage, and um, Ben Hiltzinger, Big Fat Five, and uh, they're just so great, and we just feel honored to be a part of that. Uh, the other takeaway uh, in this interview with Chris is just just what an easy going dude and and fun to be around and fun to talk to and glad that he's on uh, the, in the working in the retail world and just adding some experience, some levity, some just good business sense that fits with the personalities of you know creative people like musicians and drummers and, and everybody. So it's just great to have him. Uh, and I just hope you enjoy this conversation with Chris Mazarizzi. Growing up as a kid and having the dream of being a musician, you're always like, this is going to be my main source of income and I'm going to be rich and have like seven boats and a Ferrari. And our band, it's like the band for the, our band, for the band members, it's like, that's the side hustle. It's like our band is the side hustle and everybody else has regular jobs. Like owning Big Fat Snare Drum is my regular job. Our keyboard player, Sam, he does music production for TV and film and he produces and writes and all that kind of stuff. My brother's a writer producer as well. Um, and so we do that most of the year and then we tour when we f feel like it kind of, you oh, know, interesting. it's, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's like right now 
we were thinking about doing something this fall, but we had we didn't have new music out, so we were like, let's just wait. My brother's currently working on a record now, so we'll probably go out spring, summer next year. Um, we did a we did a summer run this year, which was great. Uh, we went out with the band Lawrence and uh, Mr. Wives, and it was we were first of three, but it was it was awesome. Most of the shows were you know pretty packed by the time we we got on stage, which was great. Um, it is a it is a crazy balance, unfortunately for me. Uh, when I'm like home and working on the business, I kind of unplug from being a drummer, which kind of sucks, but mm-hmm. I don't really play very much. Um, and I kind of feel, I get like paranoid when I know a tour is coming up and then I will start practicing and you know, it's mm-hmm. the whole like get back on the bike thing again. Uh, it does come back most of the time pretty quickly, but yeah. I, I feel like every time I start and stop, I feel like I get like worse and worse, like the starting points, like a little bit further back. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'll be like super out of breath or my hands just don't want to do what my brain wants them to do. Yeah. And and every time I tell myself, I'm not going to let it go this long. I'm going to practice. I'm going to sit down on the practice pad or like my little crappy electronic kit and, and play a little bit every day. And then that never happens. I know like this sounds crazy, but our formula for touring is like. It's, it's actually pretty bizarre and crazy if you think about it. Uh, like, well, I'll take a step back and think about it. So usually, like, as, like, a tour is coming up, my brother's working on new music, and he'll be sending me tracks to learn. And usually I just have this weird way of writing it out. Like, I don't know how to write out music. I'm terrible with that. I have no idea. So I just write out, like, you know, Nirvana fill, you know, <laughs> yeah. four, you know, four kick drums, stop on the word, you know, like, you know, I don't know, microphone or something. And then, so I'll write it all out and I'll keep doing that. Listen back, refine, refine, refine. And lately I've just been working out the songs just on an electric, I have like an old Alesis uh, electronic drum kit that I bought probably 15 years ago where somebody was selling just the pads for like a hundred bucks. It's like the pads in a rack. It's terrible. (laughs) And uh, I had an old Roland uh, TD7 brain that hooked it up to, which... I mean, at the time it was probably awesome. Now it's like it just sounds awful. Also, but it's it's fine. Like I can plug a little iPod into it, yeah, or, or my computer, and then listen with headphones, do a little bit of mix on it, and so I'll, I'll kind of work the stuff out like that. Play through everything, play through everything, and usually it's like a week before touring, before I'm sorry, before I leave for rehearsal. But remember, like at the same time, I'm also trying to get my business in order because I know I'm leaving. <laughs> So we still my web my website is all still fulfilled from my house. All our website sales are still fulfilled from my house. Oh, wow. so in the basement in our basement. So when I when I leave, I basically leave the business to my wife to tend to, which is nuts. Also, so everything's kind of like pre labeled and ready to go, and you know everything's built. So I'm doing that at the same time too. So I'm really burning the candle at both ends before I leave for a tour or rehearsal or so I'll kind of work stuff out for a week. I'll, I'll do my, my big fat syndrome work during the day, you know, it bleeds a little bit into the nighttime. Then like super late at night, I'll practice on the electronic drum kit. And then the next thing you know, I'm hopping on a plane to California to go rehearse and we'll rehearse. It's, it's funny. We always like block off like five days to seven days to rehearse. And then it always becomes like, Oh, the first day is a setup day. And you know, second day is like, we'll get our ears going, you know, get some of the playback stuff worked out. And then, you know, by like day four or five, you're like, eh, we got it. We're good. You know, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's fine, whatever. So, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what our formula has been. So, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. And I, I always feel like, I feel like after that first night of rehearsal, I feel like I got run over by a truck. My arms are killing me. Everything's killing me. And then, 
you know, the next, the next day it's like, all right, I can, I can kind of settle, settle in a little more, relax a little more. Yeah. And, uh, maybe don't, you know, hit like into the drums, just kind of a little more finesse. And, and yeah, by, by day two, I would say like by day two nighttime, I'm, I'm getting close. And then by like day three, I feel like, all right, most of the stuff's come back. It's, it's kind of muscle memory. I'm, I'm a weird drummer. We're like, you know, I, I really admire the skill of people who can like just go sit down and just go play with a band and just like jam. Like the guys who do like the eight G, you know, drummer sit in on Seth Meyers. Like that stuff. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I can even do that. Like mm. my brain just doesn't work that way. Like if you, if I can write the part out and I can really just practice and know, like how to play a song, I'm fine. Like the muscle memory comes back. All the old songs. Like if you told me to go play a show right now and all the old songs we just did, uh, you know, over the summer, I, I can. I could do it, no problem. Yeah. If you ask me to learn a new, if you ask me to learn a new song on the spot, I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Give me, give me some time. Give me some time. What's interesting for me is you talk about we want to do a tour, so let's let's plan it. Like, so what goes into that? Do you just do you have like just people in the pipeline that, hey, listen, when we're ready to go out, we'll we'll, we'll call you, or and are there you know what's involved in organizing a tour? Sure. So we're actually, we're on RCA Records and we're booked by uh, William Morris Mm -hmm. and they've definitely, both of the, both of those uh, companies have definitely helped us, but it, it, you know, it's a lot of relationships where we've gotten these tours and it's not, you know, we've kind of built this thing. So we're like a a fully, so I was saying how we have gear on the East coast and West coast, but we have uh, something that I worked on for a couple of years. So we're a fully self-contained band, meaning like we bring all our own microphones, cables, in ear mix, we bring our own front of house house console, everything. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of it's not like it's a super technical show, obviously, but for you know we're on a budget, and usually we bring one crew guy with us. So to get everything up and running quickly is kind of kind of hard. So usually the tours that we do are kind of planned out, and we'll know you know a few weeks, few months ahead of time. So it you know I think whenever the opportunity arises and we feel like it's going to be a good fit for us we'll take it. You know, we, we were lucky enough. The first couple of tours we went on, um, was a band from Canada called mother, mother. Uh, we have the same managers and they, they took care of us on that. And we were going on that tour. And, um, I was saying before that my brother is a producer and a writer and some of the artists that he's worked with through the years have, have helped us out, you know, the tours and yeah. So the last tour we got this summer, the band Lawrence, uh, he just became friendly with them and they stayed in touch just, you know, being songwriters and fans of music. And we were actually supposed to be on a different tour this summer and it kind of fell through, um, for just kind of bizarre reasons. And it, it fell through and, and we were kind of bumming about it. And my brother just literally reached out to the people from Lawrence and we're like, Hey, you know, I know you guys are going out this summer with Mr. Wives. Is there a possible opener situation? And they yeah. were like, yeah, let, yeah, let's just pass it. Let's just pass it down the, the pipeline. And then the Mr. Wives, I think their manager knows our manager. And then the, the guy who did the Mr. Wives record is this guy, Dylan, who plays in a band floor, who's a, a friend of ours also. So it was kind of like, you know, all the all the stars kind of align. Like Lawrence was a fan of the band. Mr. Wives kind of knew about us, but then the business surrounding it kind of got us the tour, and it was like, yeah, let's go. You know, nice. So it it, it sounds like, like if you're you know uh, a working drummer in a scene, 
you're going to know different people in different bands, whether it's subbing for drummers or band leaders. And there's there's like a network, a community of people. Totally. Uh, you know, it, 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 as I've, I've kind of shifted gears to try and stay closer to home. I've left my touring gig in the last couple of weeks. And um, so I'm trying to work more from home, but it requires that network that you're like, you're looking at next month. They're like, well, I really don't have much going on, but I know things will happen. You know, you just, you just kind of like when it, when the time is right, uh, but you have to lay the groundwork and you're talking about relationships. And it reminds me of uh, the whole endorsement thing or um, just, just in general, how business is built upon those relationships with people totally and all yeah. the other things yeah. yeah um the name of the band winnetka bowling league yeah is that right that's that's yeah it's perfect yeah and and this is the uh this is like the second band or you've been in multiple bands with your brother before oh my god so my brother's name <laughs> is uh, matthew matthew coma we've been so the the quick story of my brother we've been uh i'm nine plus years older than him so hey can we just get your we, brother on and talk to him because he sounds more interesting can we just get he's, him he's way more interesting and <laughs> way richer richer than i am so <laughs> uh so yeah so we we've been playing together i guess like you know our, my our dad's a musician our mom's a musician our dad had a record deal in the 90s he put a record out on atlantic records in the 90s singer songwriter and so music's just been in our house forever so we had you know a music room set up in our house with two drum sets and some guitar amps and a pa and all that good stuff and you know my brother was two and my dad started you know tuning guitars to open chords and he was like barring you know oh, barring cool. frets like playing up and we're like okay something's going on here and by the time he was three you know we were playing we were playing music together and we were you know, swapping guitar back and forth and drums back and forth. And he was playing everything. So we always played together, you know, at home. And so I had a band, I guess like right out of college, I had a band and it was kind of the 2000s, you know, uh, hot AC rock band. I, I played in, I played in hardcore bands throughout college and mm -hmm. punk bands in high school and, um, and then, so I kind of left the hardcore scene, the hardcore scene, uh, metal scene on Long Island was, that's where I grew up on Long Island, but yeah. that scene was amazing. It was flourishing. And unfortunately what happened is kind of all the venues, the DIY venues went out of business and, you know, people were doing stupid stuff. They were breaking things and, you know, drugs started getting into the scene a little bit. And, uh, so that, that all kind of shut down and I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I was kind of over over that a little bit, you know, that the scene kind of started fading also too. And so I started playing in this hot AC band and we had a show and our bass player quit like two days before the show. My brother at the time was like 13, maybe even 12. And he's like, ah, he's like, I'll, I'll learn, I'll learn the bass parts. And, and he learned the bass parts and the backing harmonies. And we were like, okay, cool. And so he just started playing shows with us. And the next thing you knew, we were like showcasing for labels and we got management and you know things were starting to pick up pretty quickly when he joined the band and uh you know there became some like weird band turmoil because the management and and whatever labels we were showcasing for kind of wanted my brother to be the front man more than the more than the front man that like the kid's got a good voice and at this time he probably was like maybe close to 15 yeah and so things kind of went sour pretty quickly so 
we, I remember distinctively we quit the band. Uh, the big thing on Long Island is like you go to diners. That's like the jam. Like you go to a, you go to a concert, you go to a show, you go to like, you know, anything in the city, you come back to Long Island, you go to a diner. So we met at the diner, quit the band. And as we were leaving the diner, he's like, yeah, I've been, I've been writing some songs also like kind of on the side. Let's maybe like see where that goes. And we wound up starting a band and funny enough, we got picked up by Radio Disney and you know, we were playing like the Radio Disney tour, like playing all over the tri-state area, like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and playing all these Radio Disney shows. And we eventually got picked up and got signed to Atlantic and, you know, that whole thing. And the record business was imploding around us as that happened. <laughs> so this was like Napster was like freshly coming in and LimeWire yeah. and, and that was it. So we've been in, we've been, uh, I guess, God, this is probably our, this is our fourth record deal together, if you can imagine that. Wow. We did, we did that band, and then I was touring with an artist, uh, this guy, Ryan Starr, yeah. who was also funny enough on Atlantic Records, and I was touring with him, and my brother was like, I want to start a band again, and he's like, I live in California now, do you want to move to California? <laughs> So I said, okay, fine, let's move to California. And we started another band, like a hot AC-ish, Springsteen, Tom Petty, rock, straight rock band. And I guess we kind of sort of were on EMI Records. It was, I think that record label was kind of falling apart as we were signed to them. Mm -hmm. Started that band. And then um, we got signed to Interscope at some point. Uh, and it was my brother's solo project so i was playing drums for him as his solo project and then the world of edm exploded and he became somehow looped into that scene just wrote a couple of songs and wrote some top line hooks and became in that scene and i went from playing drums in a band to then being a tour manager for three years and we traveled the world as a dj thing wow and so um this is all like full circle. So I'm going to explain where the Winneka Bowling Lee thing came from. So we kind of saw just as we saw with the, the running on the wall with the first band we were in together, we saw the writing on the wall with the DJ scene and you know, the offers weren't, weren't as good. And you know, we kept seeing these shows just kind of get weirder and weirder. And it's, you want, you want, you know, you talk about going to a rock club and you're like, Oh, the people that work at the rock club are really stupid. <laughs> The, the, the electronic scene, like it's the dumb, it's literally the dumbest people you ever dealt with in your entire life. Like I, I can, I, I could do a podcast about how many times we're like, Hey, so production guy, he's going to go down to the pit area and sing like the last two or three songs. He's going to leave the DJ booth and go down. So that means like, don't turn the pyro on when he's down there <laughs> and then they'll still turn the pyro on when he's down there. Oh it's gosh. like, it's like stuff like that. It's just, yeah. So we kind of saw the writing on the wall where like the DJ stuff wasn't really uh, happening anymore for him. And he was just over it. And he's like, I want to start a band again. I really want to do a band again. And I was like, okay, great. Let's do it. And he spoke to, at this point he was on RCA as an artist and as a DJ, I guess, I, don't know, I guess just an artist, but, and, um, he was leaving. He actually bowled at Winneka bowling league. That was his bowling league. And he was leaving, bowling and he was speaking to his label his art his a and r rep at the label and he was like you want to start a new band and he's like yeah he's like do you have a name for the band and he was kind of kidding around he's like oh yeah the winneka bowling league 
Yeah. And the the A&R guy's like, I love it. Cool. Let's do it. (laughs) No, wait. I was just joking. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I was just kidding. But yeah, they're like, we love it. And it's funny. The real, like the real Winneka, Winneka lanes, they like, they, they love it. Yeah. I think it's like so funny. That's cool. They're the only people we follow on Instagram. (laughs) Just the Winneka, Winneka bowling alley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think, man, I just, I want to get a record deal and, and then all will be right in the world. I mean, so our dad has like been constantly, in a good way, been constantly just like hammering like what the record business and the music business has been like into our brain since we're like teenagers. And his like, his best thing, I'm, I'm not like, I mean, RCA has been awesome to us, but it's just, you know, the nature of what's going on right now, it's really, it's really hard. But it's like record labels are really good at, you know, fueling the fire once there is a fire. You know, like if you have that fantasy of like, we're going to get signed and then, you know, they're going to tell us like how to make a music video and they're going to tell us like how to do social media promo and they're going to put us on the best tours in the world and they're going to get us a tour bus and give us like a billion dollars. So we're rich and buying jewelry like that doesn't happen anymore. And maybe it maybe hasn't happened in 20 years, but it doesn't happen at all anymore. You know, but I, I really like that analogy. They know how to fuel the fire once there is one. Once there is one, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we're in a weird spot, like Winneka, you know, and, uh, you, you know, it's like we, we we just grind. We go out there and grind and play shows. We do headline stuff. We'll do opening slots. Um, and it's, we're happy, you know, we're happy where we are. We're happy with the progress. And, you know, but if like we got a, uh, you know, if one of our songs went on TikTok and like blew up, then it's a whole different thing at this point. Then RCA would be like, Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, here you go. That's that's another thing I was going to ask you. Like, you can go out there and tour and grind, like you say, but, you know, what else is there to do to get to a point where there is a fire and, and you're talking about TikTok or, you know, what other things, if this was like, say this was your only thing, this is, you guys were all in, like, what sure. else is there to do with a band in this situation to, I st- you know, do that? Yeah. I still think touring is, you know, is super helpful. It really, I mean, if you, okay. you know, it's hard to break in, it's hard to break in and hard to get tours, but I mean, we, you know, we, we, uh, we saw, I mean, I, this is crazy. We saw like a nice bump in our Spotify numbers and our streams once we were on that tour this summer and it's actually been consistent. It's kind of stayed, it's kind of stayed instead of like, you know, do a tour, you know, it, it goes super high and then just kind of plateaus and then starts declining. So it, that's been cool. We just really have built fans, you know, I yeah. think, I think at the end of the day, you know, another thing that our dad has always hammered into us is that like, you know, you own your website, you own your, you know, you can own your mailing list, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, being out there and playing shows, it, it doesn't really matter like what a label does or doesn't do for you. If you're making your fans and you have people that want to come with you uh, along for the ride, like that's, that's it. You don't need anything, you know? So and that's, that's been cool. It, it's like, it's really funny because we, the first tour we ever did was that Mother Mother tour. And, and they're like, they're, they're a funny example too. Just kind of backtrack for a quick second. They, they're like massive in Canada. Massive. Like they do arenas, like huge arenas. And they were never able to break in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and they had a massive song on TikTok. And then they're like huge here now. Yeah. They're huge worldwide, I should say. They just got off, just got off tour with Imagine Dragons playing like arenas in Europe. Wow. So, but, um, I completely lost my train of thought doing that backtrack. Oh, so we did, we did this mother, mother tour, which was great. It was a U.S. tour and it was great. It was like, 
you know, depending on the market, I, some places were like a thousand seaters and sometimes it'd be like 200 seaters. But they have a very like crazy fan base, like a diehard hardcore fan base. And our music is like similar-ish enough where I guess it's that indie rock feel. And um, we definitely got a lot of fans from that tour and it was awesome. But I remember thinking like the first headlining tour that we did, we were terrified. We're like, nobody, nobody's going to show up. Like we're playing Indianapolis. Like I, we haven't played here as a band. We, yeah. I don't know, you know? And people would show up, like we'd sell tickets and it's like people would find us on Spotify playlists and on, you know, at the time, Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, it's like, it's crazy. Like the word of mouth stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and it was cool to see like going back to those places again for the second time. And it's like now, okay, we're moving up a venue and we're doubling our tickets, you know? So it's, it's been cool. It's like we played, you know, the first time we played in, uh, in Los Angeles, we played, you know, kind of a room just to our friends. And it, it, we played, I think it's like the Peppermint Club or something. Uh, I forgot the name of it. And, you know, we built kind of our, our LA business. And then we went back uh, before we started, uh, what tour was it on? Might've been like, like kind of as COVID was kind of dying down for a minute. We did a, an LA show and we sold like 600 tickets, you know? That's like, okay, this is insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. So it's just like, it, it, you know, going back to what we're saying, like, how do you, how do you do it? I mean, we just, we just built, we kept going back and, you know, seeing what work, what markets work, what markets are, you know, maybe need a little more help. What markets are like, meh, maybe we don't go back there again for a minute. And, and, you know, and we, along, we do really well. Uh, along sorry, this, sorry to interrupt you, but like, wh- where did the label come in? in this process or how did they help or did they? Uh, they do help. I mean, they're, they're great with the creative side of things. They help on the artwork side. Uh, they do a and the records. They do help. Um, they do fund the record, you know, they do fund us making records and the mix and the mastering of it. Um, I don't know how much I should say. <laughs> I mean, they, they do help with tour support. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, COVID's changed a lot. Let's just say that, you know, yeah. Now, I'm just curious it's, to know kind of, uh, you know, what a lot of us learn along the way, what we've read about, what we've learned from the, the record industry from, uh-oh. Oh, no. Hey, man. Are we back? We are. This is, this is, good, this is good stuff. This is behind the scenes, behind that, the curtain. That's, that's right. Yeah, so we just, we just and, you know, obviously I'll edit the space out, but we just got bumped off our Zoom call. My damn co-host, Zach Albetta, is interviewing some up-and-coming guy named Alex, Ac- Alex Acuna, I think, is how you say his last name? Uh, no, uh, Alex Acuna, which is great. I didn't know that. Hey. That's great. Christmas came early. I'm looking forward to that. Tell him at least give us like three to four hours and we'll be done, so. <laughs> um, I, I What I was going to say was... Uh, what we know about touring, what we've learned, what we learn about the record industry and stuff like that, you know, it, it, it's constantly changing. I mean, it's, it's a living thing. And, uh, so I, I I just find it fascinating, even in the eight years that we've been doing this podcast, uh, I can go back and have these, this conversation with somebody that's doing the same thing you guys are doing, but, but it, it, it involves different moving parts you know, a sure. few years ago than it does for you now. Uh, so it, it's, it's, I just find it fascinating uh, how it works. And again, in, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, indie rock or whatever sure. label yeah, yeah. this is, uh, and, and how you are working at, in, in the capacity of drummer uh, and 
now, you know, compared to uh, what someone else is doing, you know, all the different, how I'm making a living, how Zach is making a living, you know, how Ben is, is doing it, I think in, in a similar way that you are. Um, but uh, it's really cool and especially inspiring for those that want to take that route. And, um, you know, I'm sure the grass is always greener too. And you're like looking at people doing different things and how they're, you know, making music. Totally. I mean, it'd be it'd be rad if that uh, if Winneka was my main source of income and Big Fat Snare Drum was my side hustle. But it's the it's quite the opposite. Yeah. You know, that's okay. I mean, I love it. It's just uh, it is what it is. You know. Yeah. It's, it's the climate. It's climate of music right now. It's like, you know, I, I even know I even know some bands that are huge bands. And you're like, oh my god, this person's selling out. You know, like a three four thousand seater, and they're doing that in every city, and then they're like still negative. They're still in the red coming off the tour. It's it's hard. I mean, the touring uh, business is so hard right now. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I work with a Canadian artist, and uh, we did a seven week tour, and I've I've been doing work with her on and off for the last fifteen years. And I remember she was like, you know, I my husband is helping me pay for some of this, and I'm not making any money. And I'm just that blew me away. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, you know, it, it, but it was it was the bus, it was production, it oh, yeah. was everything like that. But I'm like, wow, it's some, some hardcore reality. Uh, uh, if if you are the artist, you know, uh, and that responsibility, you know, of that, you know, as opposed to being a quote unquote side man, you know, it's pretty it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's like I, I I see some of these bands who are like, yeah, we're getting a bus to go on this tour. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> have fun with that. I mean, I know it's I've toured on buses before, and it's amazing. Uh, I mean, we like Winneka, we tour in a van, we yeah. do a Sprinter van, you know, and I do all the driving. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it would be it'd be great to be in a van, uh, a bus, but it's like, all right, you know, we know where we're at, and it's like we could maybe not bleed so much money by doing a van, you know. But if it's what you want to do, it's the music, it's the people. I mean, yeah, I take a van over a bus any day if if all those things, all those boxes are checked. For sure, but I do like the idea of like crawling into bed and closing the curtain with that air conditioning and just waking <laughs> up somewhere and going to find catering the next day. <laughs> I do miss that, but that's okay. Well, I have fun. Uh, tell me about um, road managing. I th- this is I've been doing this a little bit again with the same artists in Canada. Uh, I've been doing some road managing for that, and luckily, it's such a great crew that there isn't a whole lot for me to do. Uh, as far as being responsible for the people. Okay. Um, but uh, so it's it's still unclear. Every time we get ready to go out, I'm always sitting down with the manager and say, okay, okay, remind me what's going on. Who do I need to talk to? You know, they, they, they lay everything out really nice and neat. But I know you have experience road managing. Can, can you just unpack that a little bit, like what your responsibilities are? So um, with Winneka right now, I would kind of say like, I mean, I would kind of say I production manage it more than tour manage it right now. Um, we've been lucky, like whatever front of house person we get for the tour, mm-hmm. uh, they'll usually take care of the tour managing responsibilities. We're like, oops, <laughs> we're kind of a, a self-sufficient band. So it's like, you know, we know the budget, we know what a budget would be. We know, you know, what position we're in. So it's like our, uh, keyboard player, Sam, he's like obsessed with Airbnbs. We do all Airbnbs. So he takes care of the booking of that. Okay. He'll basically he'll basically sort out all the routing, you know, with like show to Airbnb to coffee shop to show to Air, you know. So it's like to dinner, you know. Like he knows 
He's the routing guy. The tour manager, front of house guy that we'll get will be the person who, you know, advances the show. They'll advance like, hey, we're coming in a, a van, you know, we're, you know, four guys or whatever, five people. Um, we'll know like, you know, he'll know like set times, all that kind of stuff, you know, venue, parking, all that, all that craziness. For me, like I'll take care of all the tech stuff on it. You know, I, I'm, I'm the flight booker. I book all our flights. I'll take care of all the tech side of excuse me, making sure all the gear is ready to roll for a tour. Um, my brother's the songwriter. He doesn't do much of the, on the touring stuff. He, t- he takes, takes care of most of the business stuff and, and the, and the music front of everything and, yeah. and preparing, like he prepares like all the tracks and, you know, we, we do, we do playback on, on, uh, on Winneka. So he'll take care of all the playback stuff, uh, you know, printing all the stems. Um, and he'll be the one he'll, he'll be like, he's like the aesthetic guy too. He'll pick out all the wardrobe and oh. he'll be the one to, yeah, he'll be the one who, you know, goes in and is like, yeah, we need to do like this. We'll do a banner. We'll do a stand. We'll do this. We'll do some kind of production where we can make it look cool and it's on the cheap and, you know, we can throw it in a van. So yeah, we all kind of do our own, our own part, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, so for me, I've done in the music industry also, I've done uh, on the touring side of things, pretty much every job you could possibly imagine. Right. I, uh, when, when I was talking about earlier, when I moved to Los Angeles to start, uh, another band with my brother, that band ultimately, you know, didn't work out. And I now found myself in Los Angeles, uh, really really broke like next level broke you know i always say like la it's like you're either you know like really wealthy and everything's great or it's like it's a struggle and i was like below the struggle like it was it was bad like i still had i actually moved to la with a one suitcase and my symbols that's all i took to la with me and left my car behind in new york left like everything and just kind of started over and while i was out there i started working at sir um and just built my way up working in SAR. And then I started touring I, from SAR. I got a gig working for the artist, Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. And yeah. I became her backline tech. And for her within, within her camp, um, I became a backline tech for the entire band. And, um, and then I kind of moved at some point to being stage manager for her. And then I became her tech bass and drums. I did that forever with her. And then at some point, um, she was doing a lot of corporate gigs and I started tour managing her, which was nice. I was tour managing her for a lot of corporates and yeah, then I tour managed my brother's project when he was doing DJ stuff. And yeah, so I've kind of done every facet in the touring, touring business. And and I remember like, I remember specifically when I first started touring with Sarah at like a high level, um, you know, we had like a bus and a truck and catering and, you know, like we had you know, hands at venues to help us load in. And I just kind of like looked around and, um, and I said to myself, I'm going to absorb every possible thing that I can absorb from this experience. Like I would talk, I would talk to truck drivers. I would, you know, ask them like, how does, how does this work? How does that work? You know, how do you back into a loading dock? And you know, where do you go to shower? Like, how does, you know, how does this work? Like I just would pick people's brains and hopefully I wasn't too annoying. I probably was annoying, but you know, like, how do you, how do you pack a truck? How do you do like load bars and ratchet straps? And where does the back, you know, I mean, it's like a million questions I would ask and I would mentally take notes on like every single thing I could. Yeah. So the cool thing when it was like time to start touring for ourselves again, I kind of was a little bit plugged into certain things and I didn't sound too much of it, like too much of an idiot when I was talking to like real venue people or, you know, talking to a headliner trying to advance a tour. I kind of knew sort of the way things worked. So it it was cool. It was like a really great experience, 
you know, where I, I just, I grinded, I grinded as a touring guy on the tech side of things for four or five years, you know, going hard on that and basically stopped, stopped playing drums for a long time. And funny enough, like during that, uh, during that tech teching time in my life, I actually got a gig to play drums for that pop band LMFAO. So I played drums for mm-hmm. them and I did that for like a year touring with those guys. And then I went back to teching again. You know, I, I needed money, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, the tour, the, 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 that band just kind of impl- imploded, you know? So <laughs> that was it. I, we've ha- had the opportunity to interview Josh Day and... Um, One of my favorite people in the world. Yeah, um, Steve Gould. One of my favorite dudes also, yeah? Yeah, just, yeah, again, just, I'm, I'm, I've been a fan of Sarah's for years and just the music and the production and then to find out that... She's an amazing person to work for. Makes ah. you even a bigger fan. The best boss, honestly, the best boss ever. It's like just the sweetest. We were actually talking about last night. It was funny. Um, my wife's a, she's a CPA, and she was talking about her, you know, her her Christmas bonus. She's gonna get a bonus, and I was like, I don't know if I've ever worked because I've never like really had a real job. You know, yeah. I mean, I I did like for a minute. I worked for a marketing company in New York City for like two years, and that was my like real job where I had to take the train into the city and. I could, I, you know, I had a dress like somewhat not homeless going to work <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I, I was like, I don't know if I've ever gotten, I'm like, maybe I've gotten a Christmas bonus from the marketing company. And my wife's like, she's like, you used to get really nice Christmas bonuses from Sarah. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, my gosh. she's like the, the best. She would like hook it up. <laughs> you know, she was like the best boss. It was, it was That's amazing. really sweet. Yeah. What did what was some of maybe the takeaway with working with with Josh or, or Steve? I can rewind it's a scooch. So basically, when I worked at SAR, like I kind of got the crash course on being a tech, being an audio guy. Like I was an A two, so I was setting up PA and mm-hmm. learning how to run cabling and and you know amps and speakers and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I toured on a punk rock level with bands, like you know setting up gear, taking care of gear. And when I went from doing SIR to actually getting the Sarah gig, I stepped into this world where I was like, I don't know anything. Mm. Like, you, you know, you take care of your own drum set, you like help out friends. That's not, that's not being a tech. Like it's a whole, it's a whole world. Like you're taking care, you're taking care of somebody who's like, wants their stuff done a certain way. Like, you know? Right. And I mean, I would like, I would take uh, the guitar players, guitars, I would take them and I would put them on, I don't, I finally, finally told him this like years later, but I would take his guitars, put them under the bus, take them back to the hotels on days off and like iPad, YouTube video, guitar on the hotel desk, like, okay, neck adjustment, like bridge adjustment, wow. intonate, like le- okay. learn. I, I didn't know what, I had no idea what I was doing. And similarly, like being a drummer for like my whole life, you're like, oh, I know how to tune drums. Like yeah. I can take care of drums. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like the craziest crash course. Like Josh was a sweetheart. Josh is like, you know, he's like, like the rest of us, he's like very particular about his stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like to get, for me to get to that point with him where he sat down to his kit and would just play was like a challenge, you mm-hmm. know? And I, I hope, I hope I got there at some point, you know? But uh, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like the craziest. Cr- I honestly like, I honestly think that any drummer who tours should like go be a tech. You know, it's like that, it's like that expression of like, not expression, but it's like that thing where people say, you know, every, every person should be like, you know, 
like a waiter or a waitress and like some kind of, or like in a retail situation. So, you know, like not to treat those people like garbage, like, you know, oh, yeah. how hard that yeah, job is. For and sure. it, I, I almost feel like drummers should go like be a tech, like go towards a tech. Cause you'll learn, you'll learn so much just doing that. Right, you know? right, right, right. There's like all these videos and how to tune and like, you know, these, you know, the drum dial and, and, you know, like all these tuning devices and like, I use seven drum keys and a drill and like the true tuner and like, and it's, it's all that, all that stuff is like really cool and great. And like all these videos are cool, but like, how about a real world application where you're like, your flight got in late, mm-hmm. you're, you're going from the airport right to the venue. The drum set is a giant piece of crap and you got to get this thing like tuned up and like while a band's playing. Right. You know, it's stuff like that. You're like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, let's let's do it. You know, me and my buddy Marcus, we uh, we toured together as a tech for as techs for a while, and it's like the best way I can describe being a tech is that you're like push to your limit on your mental and skill levels, and then and then it's like, all right, just just keep going further. Like, just figure it out. You got to just keep going. And then there's a personality. You got to make it happen. Right, right. It, and 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 you just. I think it's just this constant learning and growing and adapting, and that is that is probably the one thing. Uh, again, I, I did some road managing this this last week. Half the gear didn't show up, yeah. and so and then and then it showed up halfway through sound check, and so it's like, uh, okay, how do we get it here? But but before that, you know, communicating with the the theater and and the people there and where their connections were with backline and the local place. And luckily, we were in Edmonton. We were in a major city. But dude, if we were in the middle of nowhere, you know, how would you do it? And how do you prepare for those things? You know, uh, I, I did a USO tour years ago, and you know, in the Middle East and shit didn't show up and you know it's wow. like we're going yeah. on the army base and saying okay are there any guitar players here because we need a tuner <laughs> we need this yeah you know and you you just you just make it happen we uh one of the tours that i did with sarah we were uh the openers for sugarland the country band mm-hmm. and she was the opener on that that uh indianapolis stage collapse that yes happened. yes yes that crazy stage collapse so Luckily, nobody from our crew was hurt, but because it was a, an FBI investigation that wound up happening, they actually kept our truck at the grounds, so we weren't allowed to take any of our backline wow. and any of our audio. So we had a headlining show a couple of days later in Oklahoma, and I remember having the conversation with my uh, production manager, this uh, the guy, this guy Kevin Twist, who was the guy who actually hired me for that that gig and we sat down in the bus lounge and the first thing we did was we did a photoshop document of like every case that we had and what was in it to give to our lighting guy who was going to stay behind and wait for the truck to be released and we did that first and then the second thing we spoke about he's like so what do we actually have to make this show happen this headlining show to happen in Oklahoma and I wasn't kidding but it sounded like a joke i was like well i have one guitar pick and a drum key <laughs> that's it that's all we had yeah like literally that's it and so we went to you know guitar center bought like some of the essentials got that got a backline company to bring in some of the stuff and we were lucky enough to have a contact 
to the band Hanson. Remember those guys? Yeah, yeah. The yeah, Zoom Bop kids? Yeah. The nice, the nicest people in the entire world. Yeah, they were like their studio was down the block from the from the venue. They're like, all right, we have this, this, and this, and we'll, we'll bring it by for you. Love it. And like the singer brought us this. I think it was like a Rhodes, and it was like this. I mean, it was like pristine. Like he just bought it from a music store. Like it was pristine, and it was like super. I don't even know how old it was. It was like super old, and it was a really rare like red color. And he was like there's kind of like 10 of these left in the world. So please be careful with them. <laughs> please be careful with it. And we were like, uh, but yeah, we, I mean, but we made it happen. I literally had a guitar pick and a drum key and we made the show happen. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you were in the audience, you would never have known. Right. You know? Right. Right. It, it just, it seemed like, like a fly date or it seemed, you know, they, I mean, nobody would have known, but we made it happen. You know, I think that uh, musicians in general should should take a step into the uh, tech world for a second, and I, I think I think overall it would improve our show. You know, improve a show, and you know, I know like we, you know, we first started out even when Echo we first started the band, we were on a, a budget, like a small budget for mm-hmm. gear, and you know, I knew how to stretch the dollar as much as I could. Sure. You know, we were we were playing. I mean, we were like a brand new band playing on ears and microphone. We had microphones, and you know, I just knew how to make some relationships and, and borrow and, and, you know, and do what I had to do to make the thing work. But it was, you know, if, if I didn't have the tech experience, I'd, I'd be like, I don't, how does this work? I'm going to go to, I'll, I'll go to guitar center and I'll buy whatever the guy behind the counter tells me to buy, you know? Right. Right. And I feel so. like one thing feeds into the other, like what you learned early on teching, touring and the business side of things has kind of helped give you a better understanding of how to operate your own business and create big fat snare drum it's yeah it's it's funny too it's like when we started when i started big fat snare drum and i was joked around my wife i was like yeah it'd be really great if we start this company and it'd be like maybe i can get some like relationships with some companies and you know figure out some gear stuff and then like maybe get some free tickets to a show that's like all i thought it was gonna be (laughs) which was you know funny but the uh but like the bit, it's it's interesting too. It's like some of my relationships. I mean, I'm realistic. Like you know, I'm a I'm a Zildjian artist. You know, like I don't know if I'd be just a Zildjian artist if I was just a drummer from Winnetka. But it's like, all right, I own this company, so it's like, all right, you know, it's a little bit of a gray area. Yeah. But yeah. You know, uh, but it I, definitely I, everything kind of helps. You know, it does, and it's it just on that note. Uh, I picked up more in endorsements or been able to work with companies through the podcast more than the gigs that I've done. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, hey, at the end of the day, it's like they want their stuff seen. Yeah. That's all it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I always tell people it's like for Big Fat Snare Drum stuff, it's like people are like, oh, is there a contract? Is it like, what? Just, just play it. Play it and enjoy it. If you like it, great. If it shows up in a video, great. If somebody buys it because they saw you at a gig playing it or they saw you on Instagram or they saw like you showed it to a friend, Awesome. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, I have like, I, I have friends that are, that are drum techs that are like, that have the craziest endorsements I've ever seen. Like they're Zildjian and Pearl and Vic Fur. I'm like, you know, you're, you're a, te- you're a tech. It's awesome. But like, you don't even really play drums. That's amazing. You know, but it's, it's exposure, you know, at the end of the day, it's exposure. It's like right. I mean, being, you know, it's like, you know, we had uh we have an artist that I was going to do a post about it. I'm always like on the fence about if I should do it or not, but we, we've done endorsement posts before and like 90% of the people get it and, and they understand like, you know, we're being, we're being jerks and making fun of ourselves and also kind of making fun of the endorsement, the whole endorsement, you know, dance you have to do. But like there, there's an artist who like we kind of bet on early on. And I'm like, this person, 
I could see the potential. They're a great drummer. And, you know, we would send we'd send stuff either discounted or sometimes free or, mm-hmm. or be like, hey, there's a new product. Check it out. You know, this person had like a pretty happening Instagram and we're making videos at a very high level. And, you know, and then it came time for them to get like the real, the big gig. Like they got the big gig. Yeah. And I was so happy for them and it was awesome and really proud. And it's like, you know, you feel like a proud dad. You're like, oh, I, I, you know, I bet on this person like early on. Yeah, yeah. And, and they did it. They went from playing you know, Instagram covers in, in their studio to now they're playing like huge stages and, and, you know, doing this, you know, massive tour. And, you know, I see some photos from the tour and I'm like, what the, what is that on your, what is that on that side snare over there? You know, yeah. it wasn't, it was like a home, it was like a homemade thing. And I'm like, dude, you know, uh. I wish you would have. And the, and the person was like, yeah, you know, the the thing that you sell wasn't like doing it for me. And I'm like, just ask you had no problem asking when you were you know right you guys have so many (laughs) different things too now yeah and i actually turned out to like make them a custom product you know but it's like dude come on come on hey i don't don't know where i was going with that but look look, it's hanging on my guitar thing here Uh, i think is is that a a a patent pending uh big fat snare drum wall holder it is it is yeah it'll be on my instagram page yeah yeah um i mean i could could go on about endorsements for seven podcasts but yeah we always talk about maybe hopping on a uh, a drum click podcast to talk about but it is fascinating and and something else i'm trying to think of who i had on recently we talked a lot about endorsements and uh this whole relationship and, and how it's changed over time and people that I think that have been in the industry for a long time see people on social media that if that's their platform, uh, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or whatever, and 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 them getting endorsements, and uh, I'm like, that may not be my jam, you know, totally, but it's like, but I get it because it's exposure. I get it, you know, and. Uh, if I was you know, running you know, a business and 100%. yeah, and, and and I see a YouTuber that is using my stuff and getting you know hundreds of thousands of likes and followers, and I'm just, dude, get that guy more of my stuff so that people see it and buy it, you know. <laughs> totally, you know, like me and Ben have always talked about it too. It's it's interesting. There's like some, there's definitely been some drummers through the years where it's the, you know, it's like the guy, like the guy. I don't want to like obviously name specifics, but it's like a guy who's like been on the cover of modern drummer like a billion times. And like, you know, like is the big session guy and like he tours and, and does this and does that. But like the guy's a ghost on social media. Yeah. You know, has nothing, has nothing. And you're like, cool. I definitely want to send this guy out a package to check it out, you know? Um, but then it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to send like a package to a kid who, makes drum covers in their basement and they have like a billion followers and whatever they say people take as gospel you know they're like Mm -hmm. this is this is the jam like this guy this guy or gal like just knows what the deal is and you know you'll you'll send somebody something and all of a sudden that like particular product just spikes on on the on the website you're like okay so it makes sense yeah i I know i know like i don't want to go down that rabbit hole because i do have to kind of stay neutral being a company owner at times which sucks because i have the the Brooklyn uh, Jewish uh, Yenta in me, which is like, you know, I mean, just like chatting and like basically crap talking on people. And I, 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 I know behind the scenes, I, I, you know, from the Nashville Jump Show, 
that I do have a potty mouth, and I will um, <laughs> we'll make we'll make fun of people. Hey, this is but a family I, I, show. I can't the way. do it on a public <laughs> family show, and I can't do it on a public platform. But like, I'm sure you're pretty aware of what's been going on on social media right now. There's been a kind of a rub about the the Instagram drummer and the professional drummer, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen what's going on. So uh, I had lunch with a friend of mine, Aaron Apter, who was, who was a guest on here, who is uh, he's a personal trainer and, and, and a drummer and was working directly with musicians and growing his business. And we were talking about social media yesterday and uh, exchange mm. of ideas and, and, and other things. And, uh, but we, we, talked, we were talking about you and we were talking about the big fat snare drum presence on social media and just how how entertaining it is and, and, and just unassuming and fun. I mean, it's like, and it's funny. He goes, he goes, Chris is dialed in. Like, it's fun to see this stuff. And it's like, I, I, I don't know what it oh, is, cool. what the formula That's is, nice. it, but it's just like, it's not, not taking things too seriously. Um, but, but, well, you, but he you, gets but, it. That's our vibe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely is. It's, it's not, I, I so trying to find that magic spot and and it's what's working and and you know what's working for you now i mean who knows if it's going to work in five years you know what what's the landscape how that's all doing but for right now it's hilarious but i feel like unless you're living under a rock you know what big fat snare drum is at this point we need to talk briefly about it kind of how it started and and i just i just want people to know kind of what other things are going on with you guys and kind of how it's it's expanded we actually got a uh, well. I'm glad your 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 buddy gets it, and I mean that's kind of like our vibe, you know. And uh, it's it's a constant pivot, and I kind of feel like right now the the goofy side of us is like really coming out, and we're having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And it's like it. I mean, if you saw our, if you saw our text chain, it's like so. Ben Hilsinger, he's uh, the drummer for the band Cannons and Eve Six, and Ben's our A and R guy, and kind of like you know everything in the business with me right now, and. Um, so like our text chains back and forth are like, is this funny? Is this a thing? Like, is this stupid? Can we put the headline on this? Is this caption? Like, we're just constantly like looking at memes and like making them drum related or yeah. taking something that's like so stupid and trying to figure out does it fit in drums? Like, you guys that's are our vibe. You um, guys are both funny. I, I love the text. I mean, just in, oh, in well, communicating oh, with Drum Click, and and I was uh, texting with him this morning, and I said, "Hey, man, I've got an interview with Chris, and I'll get this ad out to you." And he's like, "That will be so boring. <laughs> You'll be so boring." Yeah. And the funny thing is, the way you just said it is the way he would have said it too. I know what's dude. That's I, like his vibe. <laughs> He's great, and it's and it's nice to work with somebody. Like, I mean, Zach is Zach kills me. He's hilarious. He's been a, a, a incredible He's partner. He's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I actually said to Ben. I mean, like going back to being a curmudgeon Jew from Brooklyn. <laughs> I actually said to Ben that I like literally. I like I like hate everybody, and I like don't want to leave my house ever. But I said when I met you guys at the Nashville Drum Show, there was like a true like I really like these guys. Like they're really cool. They're fun. Like we hit it off. Hit it yeah. off right away. Like they get my like sarcastic humor. Like we were like riffing and like poking at each other like instantly i was like all right i can hang with these guys the weekend. thank god it's not some stuffy like stuffy dudes um it was really funny and like going back to the whole like uh joking around and being goofy on instagram we got our first like hate message on instagram love it it was a it was a female drummer who who was a i guess she's like a percussionist i don't even know what her name was and she took the time to like go on our instagram and like capture posts that were pretty far apart 
<laughs> on our feed, screenshot them and send, I can't believe this has turned into a boys club. Like, I don't get it. I'm unfollowing and gave us like the peace out sign. I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, how's this a boys club? We're just like ripping on everything. It's not a boys club, you know? No. Nope. And uh, I was like, we've made it. We, we pissed somebody <laughs> off and they actually had to take time out of their day to let us know that they just couldn't unfollow. They had to let us know. So I was like, yes, we're doing something right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How far do you want me to, to, to dive on, into the business? Do you want like the quick, the quick story? The, on well, I think it's, and, I think it's interesting just how, uh, you know, there was a, there was a, a thing that people did this, this DIY way of making their sure. snares sound different and, and how you kind of turn that around and, and, and perfected it. And we now see, especially through social media, all these new products coming out. You walk through Guitar Center, you walk through your drum store, and you like see things that are collecting dust on the wall. All these, these, these kind of tricks to better your sound, better your playing, and all this stuff that just never really become part of the landscape in the way that... Um, symbol felts did you know like think of things that were introduced in the the industry over the years plastic drum heads that we take for granted now yeah. um sure that that are um gosh um d uh, 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 double pedals you know that that wasn't a thing yeah. for a while um no? swivel mounts sure. and and all the stuff that we just think have been around forever but no somebody introduced them in the market and they stuck and other things, I mean, when I work, I worked retail on and off for seven years. And I, I mean, I have stuff that I own that's prototypes that were, were made. Like a, I have a stick oh, holder wow. that was a prototype. I've never seen it ever uh, again. And um, so things like Send that. Send it over. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and I, and, and, and I, I can, it's, it's amazing to see like Big Fat Snare Drum is, is here. And it's, it's part of the landscape now. Thank you. Um, well, something interesting. I mean, not for me, but I mean, for. Just said. Not for me. It's not, it's not for you. It's I got homemade you. shit I use. Um, <laughs> I mean, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to that, that point. But the, the thing that you just said about all those products that they have in common is that somebody made those with the intention of solving a real problem. Yes. They were, they were a product created for a real problem or something that somebody wanted to accomplish. So um, when Big Fat Snare Drum started getting like a little bit of a push and we started like, you know, the gear started turning, I went through this weird thing and my wife kept telling me, you're an idiot, you should charge these people. And I'm like, I'm not going to. But I kept going through this weird thing where I'd get emails from like drum entrepreneurs. I'm like, whatever where people would want to call or text or email or talk to me. And my friend knows you and they gave me your number. Is there a time we could talk? And I was talking to all these companies and I would say the one thing that a lot of these guys had in common was they were creating a problem that didn't exist to make a product that fixed a problem that didn't exist. Yeah. So that's what kept happening over and over again. And I'm like, I mean, I would be nice to them and I wouldn't, you know, say like, Hey, maybe don't mortgage your house to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. But I mean, I would give them advice. You know, it's like, I always go back to the, the like the, the saying of like Beavis and Butthead where Beavis, or uh, oh, it's Butthead where he's like, you can't polish a turd Beavis, you know, <laughs> that's really what it is. Yeah. It's like, you can't, you can't like, you can't, 
full i mean it, it goes it you know, you could see like the trajectory of some of these companies that I say are the ones that kind of invented a problem and then built a product on the invented, you know, issue that they, they made up. Um, you see it. It's like they, they have a little bit of a hype. People kind of like, all right, they're excited because there's a new thing out and you kind of just see it like quickly nosedive. Right, you know? right, right, right. There's no longevity. There's no longevity to it. So, I mean, I started Big Fat Snare Drum just as a personal thing. So I was touring and I like to play like really small drum kits because I'm I'm small. I'm only like five eight, so I, and my arm reach is not very long, and so I play very small drum kits. Excuse me. And the band that I was playing with kind of needed a side snare situation, and um, and I was like, all right, I want to keep it as close as possible, and I don't want like a really giant snare drum next to me. I want just like a normal, you know, five and a half by fourteen next to me. I wanted to keep it just compact and tight, and not have to worry about my leg like you know hitting a drum, you know, whatever. And so I started doing just, you know, cutting out like old drum heads. And I quickly found that doing that, like the drum head would start, you know, buckling and, yep. and it would get wings. And I remember I played an outdoor show, I played an outdoor festival. And as I'm playing the show, the cutout drum head just blew away. It just like blew off the drum and I never found it again. Funny enough, it just blew somewhere. We were playing like a beach show and it just was gone. And I'm like, all right, I just polluted the ocean. And uh, so... I came home and I was like, there's got to be something, there's got to be something that I could do to, you know, keep the sides down, keep it, you know, give it some structure, maybe like, maybe dampen it a little bit more than just putting a, a, a regular drum head, a cutout drum head on top of a drum. And so I just kept like working ideas and eventually I went to like Home Depot and I bought, it's actually on my wall still, funny enough, it's like. 10 years old probably it's just a cut out evans drum head with uh just rubber it's the rubber that goes between your shower and the drywall to oh, reduce yeah. moisture so i bought this like super thick rubber bought some gorilla glue and i started making these like homemade ones and i was like legit touring with them like i would take them on the road and uh one of the projects that i did with my brother we got to tour with ellie golding and uh we did six weeks with her in europe and the first day of tour, her drummer came up to me and he was this guy, Joe Clegg, who's like an amazing drummer, producer, musical director, just like, and like the nicest, the nicest guy ever. And he sounds really cool because he's British, but, uh, <laughs> he came over and he was just like, he's like, what, what is that? Yeah. What is that on your drums? And I was like, oh, it's just like a homemade thing that I, that I made. And I, and I kind of started making them for touring cause we were doing a lot of fly dates back then. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, when you travel overseas, it's like sometimes that, you know, that 10th that piece of luggage can cost 400 bucks to, sh to, to check. Oh, yeah. So it's like your, your snare drum can legitimately cost $400 to check on the plane if you're going to take it as like, you know. And so I just started, I just stopped traveling with drums, with snare drums. And I would just bring like cymbals, you know, sticks and pedal kind of vibe. And so I brought this homemade big fat snare drum. And thank God I did because the kit was like a beautiful maple renowned Gretsch kit with like a really awesome I still remember it it was like a, a silver sparkle paint job it was beautiful but then they gave me a Catalina snare drum kind of like an entry-level Gretsch snare drum that sounded like poop it was awful <laughs> yeah. but then I put this like homemade thing on it and it sounded great like literally didn't tune it the entire tour six weeks I just left it alone it just was like big thuddy and, and great but anyway Joe came up to me and he's like man he's like that is amazing he's like I can't believe nobody's done this Please stay in touch with me. Okay, great. So came home and, you know, started fishing around, trying to figure out factories and 
how to get this thing made and, and just like hitting, you know, roadblock after roadblock and, mm. you know, months and months of like researching plastics and, and, you know, rubber and, and neoprenes and glues and like just becoming kind of like an expert at 3M, you know, just <laughs> stuff that you never thought you'd have to figure out or like learn. And so I hit up like a million factories. Like, I mean, I just had spreadsheets of emails and just emailing people and it was response after response was like, yeah, we, we have that mylar in stock. No, we can't cut a circle. No, we don't, we don't die cut. No, we don't like stock rubber. You know, it was just rejection after rejection. And I clearly remember. So as I was saying before, my wife CPA, so she gets up early. So I used to just sit in bed on an iPad and like, just, I was on a a bunch of, uh, I think it's like Thomas, Thomas Webb. Something I forget the name of the website, but there's a site you can like go and source manufacturers oh, you know, domestically. Yeah, and so I was on those websites like looking for people and just e- doing like a million keywords, like anything I could figure out, like if I change it to this, if it's th- you know, and emailing people over and over and over again, and it was like months and months and months. And I clearly remember one night like emailing a company in Massachusetts and saying like, "Hey, I need like at this point I was like so specific on what I needed, like, hey, I need like this, 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 and this." can you do it? And like the next morning we got, I got an email back saying like, yeah, great. And then I look and I'm like, these dudes are like 12 miles from my house. Oh, nice. That's funny. Yeah. And they, and, uh, they've been my manufacturer for the last nine years. Oh, okay. I've stayed at that factory for nine. And now I've actually moved since then. And now they're, they're nine miles from my house. They're even closer. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, I remember like going to pick up the first, I got the first 20 prototypes made and uh, Joe from Ellie's band still uses the prototype nine years later. Oh, wow. I think I made them. I made them too. I made them too good. <laughs> the prototypes. <laughs> but so yeah, it just kind of became like all these prototypes, and uh, you know, at that point, I'm like, yeah, this will be this will be like a fun fun business, like a fun side Etsy business. And the original name you, know, you I had, had for it, I think, is great. It used to be called Big Ass Snare Drums. Right. Yeah, and so um, when I was doing my research and speaking to people. They were like, don't do that because retail will never carry you. Mm. Mom and pop shops will never carry you. You'll have a problem with some of the, you know, I guess Amazon wasn't even a thing back then, but they're like, you'll have problems with some e-commerce sites not wanting to carry you. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. And like, I went through like a million names. So at that point I had these prototypes that still wasn't a name. Um, I had a buddy, uh, my friend Tim Pagnata, who's a producer uh, in California. He was the singer of that band Sugar Cult. He was the one like pushing me like along the way with all this stuff. He's like, dude, you got to just make it. Just figure it out. Just make it. Because yeah. he had a prototype. I gave him a prototype. He was like using it on every record. And it's like on the Neon Trees record and Walk the Moon and nice. all the bands he was producing. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. Whatever. And uh, just striking out like I had like snare heads with like a Z. And like I was buying. <laughs> I was just like coming up with names being like, this is awesome you know, coming up with like a logo, like a really cheesy logo in Photoshop and then like buying domains, just like, all right, I'm going to buy the domain. This is the, this is the name of the company. I'm going to buy it. And then, nah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I couldn't come up with a name. And then like, at this point I'm still working on the manufacturing, trying to figure everything out, trying to get everything ramped up. And I want to speak to my friend, Tim again. He's like, man, he's like, what's going on with that big fat snare drum company you're doing? Yeah. I was like, uh, I was like, there it is. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's how I got the name. And, um, like the, the super quick story is that I had one prototype left, uh, and 
Um, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I worked for Sarah Bareilles forever. And at this point, I've never, at this point with her, I never missed a gig. I never, like, I, every single tour, every single, like, private event, every everything she ever did, I was, like, always there. Yeah. And me and my, me and my wife had a cruise booked, and so I couldn't make the gig. And so our other guitar tech did uh, Jimmy Fallon with her, and she was playing acoustic. Yeah. And I was like, you got this. It's fine. It's, it's easy. And I was like, hey, Sarah, like, this is a big ask. Can you please just get this, uh, this, like, prototype drum head that I've been working on? If it's possible, can you get it to Quest Love for me? And she's like, yeah, of course. I know Quest for years. And I'm like, okay, cool. Great boss. And so I have a That's picture. Nice. Was that a great I, boss? That we yeah, said? great boss. Yeah. Do this. Oh. The, <laughs> so, so, like, uh, I actually have a picture of, like, her and Quest, like, holding the prototype. That's amazing. Which is really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at this time, too, like, I had the, I had the logo. And the way I was doing the prototype heads was, like, literally, like, a custom office stamp. <laughs> like, in the ink and then like on the head yeah and it was like the most inconsistent thing you've ever seen <laughs> and so i'm doing like i'm doing the last one for quest love and i remember being in our basement and like my wife's like we got it well, she wasn't she wasn't my wife at the time she was still my girlfriend but she's like we got we got a pack we got to go and i'm like i gotta get this done like i gotta get this to the post office like yeah. overnight like this has to get and i'm like stamping stamp the head smudged alcohol wipe off dry it stamp and like i did it like 20 times before i got it right before <laughs> i finally got it so i wanted to look good for him so I send the I send the drum head to Sarah. We go on our cruise. You know the phones are off while we're on the cruise. This is like before ships had Wi-Fi and you know AT and T's like it's a thousand dollars a second if you turn right, your phone yeah, on. Right, right. So, uh, so at this point the the website is I, I own the domain. I have bigfatsnaredrum.com. There's just an email address info at bigfatsnaredrum coming soon. That's it. I have Instagram. I have Facebook. They're just parked. You know, just in, you know Big Fat Snare Drum. Nothing on them even. And we go on our cruise, we get back to the port of Miami or whatever. And my wife like turns her phone on and she's like, oh, you know, wow, my phone, you know, she's like, you might want to check that, uh, that email address, that info at big fat snare drum. And I didn't even have the, the email address on my phone. Like I had nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, she's like, yeah, Questlove just posted about it on Instagram and it has like 6,000 likes and like hundreds of comments. Wow. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm on like, you know, an iPhone four or something like trying to read the screen at least in, in like you know blaring sunlight of miami trying to figure out how to log into my web hosting server for the email i figure it out i get everything in and it's just like, it's like hundreds of emails like when can i get this i want this i want this nice, you know nice and i did leave out a small detail before we before we left for the cruise i did order um you know, we did, we had the prototypes, the 20 prototypes that I ordered. And then I ordered the first hundred heads and I was like, it's a hundred heads. It was pretty expensive because it was such a small quantity. And we went on the cruise. And like I said, those emails were just like flying in. I need one. I need one. I need one. And you know, I told my wife, I'm like, this is a hundred heads. It'd be nice. It'll last us like probably a year. And you know, it'd be like a fun, like side Etsy business for us. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and the hundred, the hundred, the first hundred heads were gone in a week. Yeah. Love it was it. Gone. They were gone. It's amazing, and that was it. And it's just like we hit we hit the ground just running ever since then. It's been, I mean, the company started off as one one skew, which was just a fourteen inch original. Uh, that particular head is like in its fourth generation now. There's been four pretty big modifications done to it through the years, um, and then that one skew was probably turned into, I think, on the website we're like a hundred and eighty, hundred and ninety products now. 
That's between amazing. like sizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, what that's the the. Look at me. I just reach out. Just, just. I'm like, do I have? Yeah, I just turn my head. I'm sitting in my. Reach studio. out and touch a friend. Yeah. That's it. This has got to be my it. favorite. Yeah. So th- the funny story with that was so that's you. You were mentioning earlier to Steve Gould. Yeah. And that's called Steve's Donut because of Steve Gould. So when I started one of the tours with uh, Steve, he was actually doing the homemade prototype thing, the homemade version of like Big Fat Snare Drum himself too. And I had, I already had some, some in production at that point. So I gave him an original and then he showed me like a, a handmade Steve's donut. And I was like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah, I call this the donut. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, if you ever make it, like, it'd be awesome. And then I brought him, I knocked on his, uh, we had a, a, we went home for a couple of, a couple of weeks. We had some break, break time on tour and I got a prototype Steve's donut made for him. Yeah. And, uh, we, we all met up at a hotel and I think it was like Canada or something. I don't even know where we were. And I like, I found his room. I knocked on his room and I was like, Hey dude. I was like, here you go. And he's like, Whoa, the donut. I'm like, it's not called the donut. It's called like Steve's donut. <laughs> and he like got like, he got like teary eyed. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, this is this. You told me if I ever made it, this is, this is your donut. Yeah. And so it's been, that's Steve's donut. Yeah. So he has a, uh, yeah, that's been his donut for, uh, I guess, uh, eight and a half years now. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. We started off with the original head and then we had a second product, which was the Steve's donut. And then we made a third product, which was those two together and called it the combo pack. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, there, there's just so many different ways to use it, and and just the convenience of being able to travel with, and 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 just this consistency of sound and and just usage. It's 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 been amazing, and I and I, I feel like you oh, guys have you. expanded in such a way that, um, I mean, there's just a foundational product, but how it gets used, and you, and I'm sure that you've probably discovered things the way people are using them and be like oh i haven't thought of that but that's that's a good application and how can we kind of yeah jump from that idea into something else i i I think somebody asked hey can you use these on symbols and you're like oh hell yeah and then there you go totally yeah Mm -hmm. i was just gonna say that yeah i was just gonna say that that's yeah i remember like scrolling through instagram one day and, and a guy had a donut on the ride symbol i'm like whoa that's that's cool it's cool to see like you know, it's funny to see when, uh, like, you know, like a Reddit forum or like a gear forum and you see people like, oh, no, like you got to do like you got to do this with it. Like you got to put like a tiny piece of like gaff tape on it or do this or do that. Or, you know, you're like, oh, OK, cool. Like it's taken on like a life of its own. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. I, to see. I have one that's I don't know how many years old it is. It's it's the original. And and yeah, I've got a I've got a, a piece of gaff, like a tab on it, like you would put on a floor tom you know to, to muffle it it's kind of you know because uh, I just the way I was working and, and just switching it out and stuff like that and just all these different things yeah. and and it's it's just been great and then uh, uh, trying to think of the amazing drummer in Australia who we've had on before and seeing him using them all different ones on cymbals and stuff and it's just it's really cool oh uh Cody Simpson maybe so Is his name Cody Simpson yeah, just he yeah, plays the A and F. He plays he plays A and F. Yes. Yeah, Cody Simpson. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's so yeah, yeah. bad. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, but he puts he puts our stuff on symbols. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, oh, I remember like yeah, I remember we went to go see. I'm gonna really butcher. Uh, Harry Harry from Drum Paradise was mm-hmm. the drum tech on Keith Urban. Oh, what's his? What's the drummer's name? He's actually oh Seth Roush. Yep. Yep. My brain. I, 
I haven't had enough coffee today, but Seth Roush was the drummer on that. And I remember like, you know, Harry had to take me behind his kit and show me. He's like, yeah, I built, I built like a metal, there's like a metal rack on the floor for like Big Fat. It's like a shelf. He built like a metal shelf for him to grab them. And then he did that same gaff tape thing too you were talking about where he had like a way to like grab them and like put them on. Yeah, yeah. So that became a thing. And then we actually created, I'm going to do a little plug here, but we created like a little product where it's just a, it's like a magnetic strap. Yes. So it's Velcro. So you put like Velcro anywhere on your head and then like you could just put this and then it's, so it'll just hang off the floor tom, you know? Yes, you guys had those at the Music City drum, sh- uh, drum show. And, and, oh, yeah, we did. And, yeah. And, oh. and also, like, the the felt, uh, or I'm sorry, it was kind of a, like a suede and you, different material, and, and, and that was great. Not only was it, you could ha- have it next to your floor tom like you would a stick bag, but you had it, if you're using it on your rack tom, you would just flip it over, have the tom open, and then flip it back. It, I mean, just like totally, all those yeah. little things. It's just really great, man. I need to get some of those, man. <laughs> you you know somebody. After we uh, hang up, we can get you some. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I got that from like the whole magnetic strap thing. I got from like an artist. I don't even know. I can't even remember who it was. But it was a guy who played. I want to say he played like in a like a Steely Dan cover band or something. Sure. And he was asking about like, hey, I I really want those like you know seventies toms, but then I also want the ability to like flip them off. Yeah. And I was like, huh. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, we came out with the the magnet the magnet strap on all our cloth heads. So you could just kind of like flip them on or off and, you know, they just hang out, you know? So, I mean, are you constantly thinking of new things or you, you kind of like, we got to put a cap on this. We got to stay focused on, you know, I mean, how do you balance that stuff out? I mean, how do you keep from losing touch with, with the vision or letting it, it, can it get out of control? Is that possible? It already has (laughs) too late. Talk, talk, talk to me. Talk to me January first when I'm doing inventory and I'm ready to kill somebody. Well, and and, uh, and here's the other thing. We Mark, were we were gonna chat last week, and you're like, uh, no, it. You know, we had Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and this is, yep, this is a whole thing, man. Yeah, it's uh. So that actually was what I was just gonna talk about. How so? There's so many different products, and we put a bunch of stuff on sale, and it's like we, you know, to fulfill these orders. You know, when somebody orders like a 14-inch original, it's like, all right, cool. Throw it in a box, tape it, label, go. But then when they're like, I want one of these, two of those, six of these, five, you know, you're like, oh, my God. So now I'm just like picking and putting orders together, and it, it gets to be pretty tedious. And then every time I complain, my wife's like, well, you did this to yourself. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, but, you know, like, I, I can't. Sometimes, like, I, I go in spurts. I, I almost, like, equate it to, like, you know, like an artist where you're like, all right, you can't control the, the creative part of it. Like when it happens, you got to kind of let it roll. So it's like when I, you know, I go through like months where I'm like, nothing's coming out. I'm not thinking of anything new. And, and I almost feel like I, I try to force it early on when I was like, okay, I have these two products. Like I got to figure out more stuff. And I try to force it and I felt the pressure like really early on and nothing was happening. And when I kind of let it just do its own thing. And when I listen to people, what they ask for and what they're trying to achieve that definitely motivates and definitely gets the juices flowing. And, you know, a lot of the stuff is was, like, selfishly just made for myself. Mm. And when it's, like, you know, going back to the whole thing of, like, don't make an invention or don't create a product where people don't really need it. It's like, all right, you know, I wanted the cloth head stuff for certain things. And I, I went down that rabbit hole of, like, figuring out how to 
find a cloth head manufacturer and like what material worked and like how the stitching worked and then you know put out like two versions before the current version until I figured out the magnet strap and how powerful of a magnet I needed to use where it was still cost efficient. Right. Um, interesting. I do my, I do my best thinking in the shower crazy enough. And I, my phone is like always in the bathroom when I get out, I'll just write down wet ideas on my phone. Um, I mean, me and Ben, we bounce back stuff all the time. I'm like, Hey, is this a thing? What do you think about this? I'm going to send you some stuff in the mail. Let me know what you think. And he's like, eh, you know, this one's cool. This one's like, eh. So it's also good to have people around you that are honest about the situation. Sure. You know, I, I have like, I have like notebooks and, and like, if you looked at my phone, you would think I'm like a, a psych, like a psycho. Like, I, let me, my note, my, my notes app on my phone is like, let me see right now. I have, uh, I have 217 notes on my phone. Oh, I got you beat, man. Oh, you do? Okay. I mean, okay, yeah, I, I, I use that note thing all the time. And, and, and a lot of it's podcast stuff. Just, just. But I mean, you know, ideas or things to work on. But it's great, yeah. I'm I'm always just like writing down a thing, and and I've been trying to be better about it lately. Because sometimes I'll type so fast or I'll write so fast, I can't even read it when I go back to look <laughs> at it. But uh, we were speaking about before earlier about me not really playing drums. Like, I mean, not really playing drums in the fact of like sitting down and like you know playing to like a Led Zeppelin record or actually like practicing rudiments. Like I don't I don't do that ever. Like that just doesn't happen when I'm home, but, uh, I do play drums in the sense of like, I call my drum set, like it's a test kitchen. That's what I call it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, you know, I'll get material, I'll make something by hand, test it out. All right. Does it work? Does it, does it actually do anything? Does it sound good? Is it something people would be interested in? So it becomes like the test kitchen of what I, uh, you know, what I hope, hopefully will eventually become a product. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm lucky enough, like, I actually did a huge purge a couple of months ago where I just had bins of, like, parts and plastic and, like, jingle. And I just, like, threw everything out. I'm like, let me just do, like, kind of a, you know, I'll keep some of the stuff that has some sentimental value. But I'm like, why am I holding on to this, like, scrap piece of, like, you know, two-by-two plastic, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I actually got, it was funny because I went through this bin and I got re-inspired. And some projects that I forgot about, I kind of started again, picked back up and... You know, it, it comes from everywhere, the inspiration, and, it, and it's fun, you know. And uh, we watch a lot of Shark Tank in my house, and I feel like uh, I feel like one of the things that they always say is that um, people come in and they say, you're not really investable because you're not a company or a product. Hmm. So I try, to, I try to be as diverse as possible. Like, I know I kind of have the drum dampening space, but it's like, it's just something, I feel like I'm try to create something for everybody on there like no matter if you want like if you play metal if you play jazz if you play you know with brushes if you play like pop rock or indie rock or you know you want it to sound like Ringo's drums like you know I try to figure out something for everybody in there yeah no man it's 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 been amazing and and uh oh it kind of leads me to the last one of the last things I want to ask you about is um the idea of the podcast with Ben and how that came about and and the drum click thing and i i get the impression that that was that was kind of something that you were inspired to create through the podcasts that you listen to and and, and things like that it, correct me correct me if i'm wrong but it, it just seemed like it and 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 then also know that i mean hopefully you do know that Zach and I are just like extremely honored to be a part of this this network it's it's been a blast it's been oh. great 
you got there was like such a short list of people and you guys were like yeah we're like we have to make that happen that's awesome um i did kind of a um so i listen to a lot of comedy podcasts when i work yeah. because um i'm in the i'm in the basement it's usually i have a two and a half year old daughter and through like covid and having no help at all with our kid we were like extremely paranoid about like nobody coming into our house so mm. I would watch my daughter, you know, five days a week when my wife did her nine to five job. And then basically when she went to bed, I'd go to work. So I'd be working super late nights. I'd work, you know, till one, two in the morning and then back up again with her at six. Yeah. And just this like crazy cycle. But anyway, I can't really, while I'm working, I can't really like focus, focus on podcasts. Like I listen to your guys' podcasts. I listen to Ben. I listen to Mike, Sarah, mm-hmm. uh, Bart. Yeah, I listen to all, you know, all that stuff. Because it's like, I mean, you know, it's in my brain. I'm like mostly paying attention but i i can't i can't listen to like a science podcast where i have to be like all in and like fully focused but for the most part i do listen to a lot of comedy because it's like you know kind of goes in in one ear out the other and you're like you laugh when you can and you you know you kind of follow it yeah same so one of the comedy uh podcasts that i listen to uh is called you know what dude um uh, wait i'm butchering right yeah no wait what's it called (laughs) (laughs) wait I'm butchering it. Huge Wait, fan. What's it called? <laughs> Huge fan. Like, can't go on without it in my life. Wait, what am... Hold on a second. I got to look it up now. Wait. Uh, yeah, you, you know what, dude? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I was like... Questioning I don't know yourself. why I was like second, second guessing myself. So the the, the uh, host of that show is this guy, Robert Kelly. He's a comedian. He's actually from Massachusetts. And um, he spoke about... He created a whole comedy podcast network. And I heard an interview interview with him. I listened to uh, an XM radio show called Jim and Sam, mm-hmm. just like a stupid comedy XM show. And um, they bring on a lot of their comedian friends. And so he was a guest on the show and he was speaking about the podcast network and he was talking about how, you know, it went from like his show to now he has like a million shows on this network and they're bringing in ad revenue and it's kind of like this conglomerate. And because of the you know, popularity of certain shows, it just kind of like helps everybody. Like it becomes a community where it becomes like a one-stop shop for comedy podcasts. And I kind of had the idea of taking that model and applying it to drums. And I was like, you know what? I think it'd be really beneficial um, to try to get a community going where people would like look to us as like the authority on drum podcasts. Cause I know there's like a bunch of them out there. Yeah. And I really, like me and Ben like sat down and we really curated the idea of like, this is something that somebody can come to where it's not, it's not the same show a million times. You know, we have your show where you're interviewing working drummers. We have Sarah where she's, you know, doing like a more traditional drum interview. Um, You know, Mike Dawson's show is a, is a show about gear and reviewing gear and kind of ties into his drum factory direct job. And then Bart's is all about history of drums and, and, you know, everything about that. And then, you know, our podcast, the big fat five, is like kind of like a rapid fire, you know, give me your five influences. Give me, you know, the five reasons why you play drums, why, you, you know, yeah, it's we, great. Well, you played rec. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a whole like one stop shop for everybody who's interested in the, in the drum world. And so, um, funny enough, I don't even know if you know the story or if anybody else knows the story, we just kind of like pyramid scheme the entire way up where we just kept being like, yeah, you know, we have this show on the network. You guys should do it too. <laughs> and so we just, you know, it was like, I, I almost equate it. There's, um, there's a podcast that I heard about the guy from who started hot wings. Do you know that podcast? I don't. 
So he started a podcast where basically he interviews celebrities and they eat uh, like hot wings, like chicken okay, wings. right, right. I and do it, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets like incrementally, incrementally hotter as like the interview goes on. But so the way the guy, I heard an interview with him also too, and the way he started that show was he basically called he called like publicists and saying like, hey Jay Z, like you should be on my podcast because this week I'm having like. You know, so and so are. I'm having like another like famous musician on, but like that first musician wasn't real. <laughs> so he was telling Jay Z that there was Jay Z's people that there was like this other musician already doing it. Yeah, and like eventually, like that pyramid scheme thing worked, and he started getting like legit people because yeah. of it. Yeah, and so I was like, kind of like, hmm, let me do, let's do that. Like we have nothing going on. We have like the big fat five that we just started. Like let's let's try to get like other people on board, and that's kind of what happened. <laughs> we kind of fooled all of you guys. It, it, and it's funny, I always say this, it's it's weird to be on the ground floor of something that's starting to take off. I'm always jumping on a sinking ship, <laughs> if it's a band. I or totally get that. Oh yeah, I get that, yeah. It's like... Huh? Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys have been doing it for so long. Yeah, you guys, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, you guys, that's... Yeah, you definitely were at the forefront of it, for sure. But it, it, it continues to be fun. It continues to be uh, ever-evolving and... Uh, to be a part of uh, the drum click was also uh, just a shot in the arm and be like, wow, this is great. Like, okay, how do we, you know, Zach and I, how do we up our game? How do we make sure that we're, you know, doing our part in, in this and, and, and kind of matching the mojo of, of all these other podcasts that have their unique voice and how do we stay true to that? Because I always tell people, you can have the same guests on all five of these podcasts and it would all be different, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I just, I just love sure. that so much, 100%, yeah. you know? So no, it's really cool. And, yeah. um, it, and, and to speak with you is, is just been a long time coming. I know we can go on and on about the business and, and all this stuff. And there's just so much there, but, um, it, it's, it's good to finally kind of catch up a little bit more and hopefully people can, you know, relate to, all the things that you're doing, you know, it, within Big Fat Snare and touring and all this stuff, it's just it's 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 been a blast, man. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Yeah, man. Part two coming tomorrow, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, bigfatsnaredrum.com. Big Fat Snare Drum on all the social medias. Yep, we just uh, yeah, I, like I was saying before, I parked him. I parked it right away when I first came up with the name. I'm like, that's it. I'm getting it on everything, and, and I'll still like I'll snag it on like some of the more obscure like social media platforms just in case they actually take off oh that's good that's, that's great that's great thanks man i appreciate you and i'll, I'll thanks, talk man. i'll talk at you soon all right perfect sounds good see you man later man Bye. so there you have it my conversation with chris Mazarisi. i'm probably butchering his last name every time i say it but uh hey chris there you go i'm glad you have a sense of humor uh, and it's, I'm just, again, I'm excited to continue to work with Chris and Ben and the whole gang with drum click. And, um, they're just, they're just fun people, good people to have around and to work with. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with drummer, Tim Carmen. Tim is a Boston area drummer and works with the band GA 20. So check that out. Stay tuned for now. Everyone. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you around. Bye-bye. <laughs>